Welcome to Right Side of the Brain, the arts and health podcast created by Interact Stroke Support. Our guest this week is the award-winning actress and filmmaker Vanessa Bailey. Vanessa is the co-owner of the hugely successful Nine Yard Films and uh, she describes herself as a director who writes, a writer who produces and a producer who casts. This interview was recorded during the period of the lockdown. Vanessa, could we start off um, with knowing a little bit more about you? Um, could you tell us about where you were born, your childhood, you, who your parents are or were? Yes. Um, so I was born in Bristol, Bristol, um, Bristol born and bred, <clears throat> as were my parents. Um, my dad was a builder. Uh, uh, sort of, uh, yeah, builder, painter, decorator, roofer. And my mum started off as a hairdresser um, very rebelliously <laughs> because she was supposed to become a secretary. She didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, so she went into hairdressing as a form of rebellion at the age of 16, uh, 15 maybe. Um, and then um, later in life, she, was, uh, she worked really hard, got herself a, a maths O-level and an English O-level. And then she went into, um, she became a nursing auxiliary, as they were called in those days, which is like a, I don't know what they're called now, healthcare assistant, possibly. So, so yeah, that, those are my working class background, if that's what you, you know, there's a, a, a box you want to put it in. <laughs> and my brother and I were the first generation to go to university. So my mum, in particular, was quite um, unusual within her uh, family culture, who uh, valued work. As, as you know, the, the work ethic, but not so much long term education, you know, further education and um, sort of looking at, at um, jobs outside of the norm. So she was very much, we got piano lessons, she worked so hard Pan, piano lessons, ballet lessons, elocution lessons, <laughs> um, you know, all sorts of stuff, bought us loads of books from the charity shop. So, so we were the first generation to go to university, my brother and I, for which I'm incredibly grateful. So, uh, and, and what did you study at university, Vanessa? <laughs> so, I was meant to study music, um, and then I met my now husband um, in as as I was heading towards university, and decided I'd rather be at university with him. <laughs> so, I changed my course um, from oh, oh. studying uni at York, uh, studying music at York Uni, which is what I was supposed to do, and I ended up studying teaching at Durham because that's where he was going and that was the course I could get onto to go to the same university as him. And we actually got married in our first year at university. So I ended up becoming wow. a teacher. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> wow, that's, that's yeah. quite amazing. <laughs> yes, it's not, it's not a usual story. <laughs> no. no, so you, you really did sort of follow love. Yes, I got married at 19. My poor parents oh. must have been having 50 fits. 
Yes, yeah, and we're yeah. still married sort of 30, 30 years later, yeah. Oh, how, how wonderful. That's a lovely story. <laughs> uh, I'm presuming that apart from falling in love with your future husband, uh, when, when you were a, a child and before you, you went off to university, mm-hmm. what, what were the, the aspirations of the young Vanessa? Well, I was always very um, what one would now term creative. Um, I was a bit of a daydreamer. I loved writing. I mean, looking back now, I can see why I've ended up where I am rather circuitously. Um, but I loved writing stories um, and reading. I mean, I, I read, I was a voracious reader. We didn't really watch television, um, particularly other than Doctor Who after our bath. <laughs> and so um, I read and I read and I read. I also loved music. I studied ballet. And I played the piano. So I think um, I wanted to be a ballerina, actually, was what I wanted to do. But my mum decided once there was an actual, uh, you know, a, a real possibility that might happen, as opposed to just dancing around in a tutu, she sort of put the kibosh on that. <laughs> and, and, we, and we made it on the piano instead. So I, I was meant to go to um, uh, music college. And I think I always wanted to do something creative. Uh, my my parents were very much um, do what you love, you know. Um, so I I I fulfilled that creativity to a large extent through my teaching because I absolutely loved teaching and teaching, you know, can be to some degree a form of acting and performing because I taught in very challenging schools by choice um, with children who came from very challenging backgrounds and so you needed that um, immediacy of presence in the classroom you needed very good discipline in a positive way and so I think for for the years that I taught that was my my sort of creative outlet obviously introducing them to art music things that they wouldn't normally come across in their home environments that was very fulfilling for me so I think that yes that began to open my eyes to the fact that you know, there was this creative, um, strong creative impulse in me that then has obviously eventually led to other avenues of expression. Well, were you teaching back in Bristol? Uh, so I taught um, initially in Darlington, up in uh, County Durham. <laughs> um, and then uh, when my husband graduated, he, he actually was doing teaching as well. So he, he got a job in in Bath so I came back down uh, we went back down to Bristol and I ended up teaching in Bristol as well so I taught in Darlington and Bristol yeah for for a few years yeah and then I stopped when I had my kids. (laughs) So so is is that when your your journey as a teacher stopped? Pretty much because um, teaching was getting increasingly more difficult challenging because (laughs) I'm aging myself now but it was just at the time when they were bringing in the national curriculum and suddenly teaching changed fundamentally changed um and so that that created quite a few problems for people who were teaching in challenging schools and so I had a rethink when I'd had the kids uh, do I want to go back into teaching full-time I did a bit of supply and then I I remembered that I'd thought about going into acting while I was at university because I did a lot of theatre at university, you know, to amateur theatre stuff. And and then that's when I began to start exploring the possibility of going into acting, which was madness because I have no, I don't know any, I didn't know any actors. I had no, no way of training 
it was utter madness. But that's what I wanted. I decided I wanted to explore that rather than going back to teaching. It was nonsense, but it worked. <laughs> so tell us about the, the acting journey then. So, so what happened? Well, everything about that point, that, mo- that moment in time in my life and everything coming from that to do with my career in um, acting film is to, I basically faked it. I, I fake it till I make it. That's my mantra. So I started off as, a, as an extra. I thought, uh, what I'll do is I'll get onto a set. So I discovered that there were these agencies where you could work as a, as a background, background artist. And um, so I ended up doing a lot of work on, um, you know, being someone that walked up a corridor in casualty. At that point in time in Bristol, with Doctor Who, casualty, all of those mm. um, TV dramas were, were there. So I did that for, for a few years to work out how it worked. And then I just decided I was going to find a way to act. Um, so I paid for a very expensive headshot that made me look like a proper actor. Um, I worked on lots of short films for free uh, on collaborations so that I got a showreel together and with absolutely no training, with absolutely no right to do any of it, I sent it to an agent and they took me on (laughs) and and I'm still with them. Um, So that's, I, I basically just said, this is what I want to do. This is what I look like on screen. This is what I look like in a headshot. What do you think? And I had to audition for them. And they took me on. I, I admire that a lot. And I actually, my view is, well, we, we need more people who enter the acting profession in a wide diversity of ways. Well, when I, when I went to drama school many, many years ago, you know, there were always exactly the same type of people with the same type of backgrounds, with exactly the same opinions, exactly the same political views. Yes. And... You know, so when you when I hear a story like that of someone who didn't take that usual route, I just think more power to people like you. You know, we 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 need people within the uh, theatre world and and the acting world who come from a, a plethora of, of backgrounds. Absolutely, and I think I think it's really interesting once you start. So so my my attitude is to ignore. When people tell you it can't be done, it's just to ignore that. There's always a way to get something done. I had no money to go to drama school. I had I couldn't go away anyway because I was I was raising children as well, um, and it just financially it was completely un, unfeasible. Um, and so I thought there has to be another way. And so you you have to create. You have to find that way to do what you really want to do. And I and I really do think the more time I spend on sets with professionals. I have, the, the less important, this is, I mean, people are gonna flame me for this. The less important your training is and the more important your talent is and the ability to work with people well. And so I have not, I have not been to one casting, and I can't, and I've auditioned for Nina Gold, I've auditioned for big casting agents. I have never once been asked where I trained, not once. They're interested in your agent and your ability. So if you can, it's important to have an agent. That's the important thing, a good agent. Um, But other than that, I have not once been asked where I've trained. Luckily, (laughs) school of life. Um, So so I I just think where there's a will, there's a way. Now, Now, you know, 
I was married and I had a husband who was earning. So it, it was relatively easy for me. Having said that, you know, we didn't, we didn't have lots of money to, to you know, um, so, and I had no contacts in the industry. People make assumptions when they, they listen to my voice and they, people often assume that I know people in the industry or my husband's a cinematographer <laughs> or a brain surgeon who's, you know, uh, f- funding my films. <laughs> And um, and I think I think it's just really important if you want to do something to find your way of doing it, and and just go for it. If the doors aren't there, create the doors and knock them down. It's been the same with everything I've done: my writing, my directing. I think that's so important because otherwise it becomes a, a gated community. Filmmaking, you know, acting, writing, it it becomes a gated community, and it should be a democracy. Absolutely, mm. like in the true sense, not. It's not at the moment. You're absolutely right. It's not a democracy, um, and we need to make sure that you know it gets better. I think that line that you just said there is such a wonderful line. If the doors aren't open, then create the doors. Mm. Um, that that's uh, really fantastic. I am intrigued, though. <laughs> you know, you 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 gave up doing a music degree at York. <laughs> For, for the love of your life <laughs> and you go off to Durham to do teaching. Did you, did you at some point go, okay, darling, I think you owe me one. I, I want to be an actor. <laughs> it, the, thing is, the thing is with my husband is he just does it without me having to ask. I mean, he's, he's amazing and he has 100% every step of the way, not just supported me from the background, but actually said what he was the one that said you should direct. Because I'm not, I'm not a director. <laughs> he, he, so he, he's not only supported me, but has actually said, "And now you should try this." He also production manages for me, so he will. Um, he has a job that's quite flexible, and so we try to we timetable shoots and things around when he's around, and he he will do. He does, you know, takes a lot of the hard work away from me in terms of producing films as well. So along with my producing partner Judy, so. I've never had to say to him, you owe me one, because uh, honestly, I owe him more, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's Vanessa. She's faking it to start <laughs> off with. Yeah. Uh, she, and, and you uh, spend quite a lot of time uh, initially doing uh, the, the, the extra work, the, the walk-on work. Describe further the, the journey then, Vanessa. What, okay. what happened after that? So, so um Getting the agent was the key thing, and then and then what you tend to do um, as a what I you know I did was you do commercials, <laughs> you do commercials, commercials. So you learn to smile a lot, um, and uh, that's really really good really good practice for audition technique and and getting to know um, the terminology on set and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But then I got bored. I got bored with. Um, I was very grateful for the commercials. They're generally quite well paid. They're generally very easy to do. Um, but I got bored creatively because um, anyone who does a commercial will, will tell you that from an acting point of view, they're not necessarily the most um, satisfying uh, sort of character journey to go on. <laughs> um, so I, that's when I decided to write something that I could be in that I would enjoy as an actor. So that's how my first film came about. I, I did get some drama, so I have, you know, I have done EastEnders, <laughs> um, but I wasn't getting as much drama. Um, I, I'm, I'm through no fault of anyone's. I mean, there are a lot of actresses 
and not that not as many parts as there are actresses so that that's just the nature of the beast I mean that's not a complaint it's just how it is um so I decided to write something so I wrote seeing him uh, which is my first short film and produced it because it needs to get made and I didn't know how to get a producer so I wrote out of necessity and out of a need to what to to play this role that wasn't out there anywhere else so I thought I, I'll do that myself I'll write that myself and I discovered crowdfunding which is hugely democratizing which means that you don't have to go to someone and say do you like my script please can I make it you're just here's my script I'm going to make it who'd like to come on board and join me in that and crowdfunding has been the way that I've been able to fund all of my films they've all been funded by other people which I'm incredibly grateful for. So, um, yes, so the writing came about that way the, and the producing and the directing sort of grew from from that. And, and Nine Yard Films is is multi-award winning now. Could you tell us more about, about Nine Yard Films and what you're currently doing and what you want to do in the future? Yes, so um, Nine Yards Films is a very new production, a young production company run by two old women, <laughs> myself and Judy Goldberg. Um, Judy, Judy Goldberg, my producing partner, has decades of experience in producing. She started out in Hollywood, um, working on things like the um, Resident Evil franchise and music videos. And then she came back to um, England and um, worked sort of on the production side of events and then she and I met um, in a working environment and we worked together on this, in this particular working environment for um, a few years and then just um, really clicked creatively. So we decided to do a couple of films together and then we set up this production company, um, which is very, very exciting. Uh, we've just done our, we've just made our first television commercial. So we're not very, you know, we're under a year old. We've just made our first television commercial, which was very exciting, which aired on ITV, which was amazing. That was my, that they didn't, again, <laughs> I shoot myself in the foot. They didn't realize that was the first time I directed a TV commercial, um, having been in lots of TV commercials. So we've just done that. We've just won our first award as a production company at the New Renaissance Film Festival. We won Best Production Company. But between us and my team, we, we have got a lot of awards, you know, between us for our various departments. So it's a really lovely team. Um, so I'm very excited with the, you know, the way things are moving forward for the production company. We've got Bus Stop on the festival circuit at the moment, a short drama, which is winning lots of awards. We've got The Long Walk Home in post-production um, at the final end of that. And we've got small talk in very early, in the very early stages of the edit, which is our short film about men's mental health, which I'm very excited about. Um, yeah, and we're just you know looking for the next opportunity for things like uh, post production and editing, etc. Do you have have your own studio? No, we don't. We we um, we have uh, just people that are really good at doing it. <laughs> So Bus Stop, for example, was was um, graded at Molinaire, which is, you can't really get better than Molinaire. And then for the TV commercial, we have lots of people we know who are freelancers who work in um, post-production houses. So we just go to them and we don't, we don't have, well, honestly, we don't have the finance for a studio. So we're just working, working from home, especially now where you mm. actually, even our, for post-production for for the grade for the tv commercial 
the, the colorist couldn't get into his studio because of the you know covid um, restrictions and things like that so everyone's kind of working remotely anyway at the moment to a large yeah. degree um, but that doesn't pose any problems it's just a different way of working Vanessa I just want to to, to go back <clears throat> to that comment that that really struck me which was if the doors aren't open then create the doors yourself so how difficult then was it to set up a film production company like Nine Yard? I mean, it's not difficult to set it up. It's difficult to get the work. <laughs> I mean, setting it up is just a website, right? <laughs> and, um, and determination and having the right team. So, I mean, in terms of getting a, having a, a great pool of, of talent to be able to go to who are happy to say yes to projects, that's really easy because both Judy and I have worked really hard um, in our careers up until this point to make sure that we get to know um, brilliant people and we've been able to persuade them to come on board with our projects. So in terms of, of having the pool of talent to be able to go to, that's easy. Um, the hard work is the graft of getting yourself out there when you're a new company, because there are lots and lots and lots of production companies out there. So I think it's about knowing what you're good at, knowing what you offer and focusing on that and being patient. I mean, I've been acting for over well over 10 years now and lots of people give up way before that. I think with the creative industries, everything has to be seen as the long, the long haul. It's the long journey. There's nothing quick about the creative arts, really, in terms of your career path. Uh, not usually. I mean, obviously, there are the stories of people who, you know, um, but I think you have to be patient and you have to be prepared to work really, really hard. Hard work and patience. Now that you, you're, you're making your films, countries such as France are very, very supportive of <clears throat> their indigenous film uh, community. <clears throat> they they <clears throat> have quotas, for example, uh, in the cinemas. Um, what's, do, do you think that something similar should occur here? Oh, this is... <laughs> This is, this is such a hot topic, isn't it? And it's so easy to, um, it's a really difficult question to answer. So I'm gonna be completely honest here. So the way I run my teams, the way I my teams come together is based on talent. So it's very important for me that um, I produce the best possible film I can. Now, does, does that mean I will turn a woman away because she might have childcare issues? No. Does it mean I will choose a woman over a man just because she's a woman? No. I'll choose the best person for the job. If it's a paying client, they're paying me to produce the best thing that I can. But um, I think it's wrong for people not to choose people based on something. Equally, it's wrong to choose people, I think, too much of the time just based on a desire to tick a box because actually ultimately I think it's quite insulting for some it would be quite insulting for someone to say I just chose you to direct this because you're a woman I don't want you to do that I want you to choose me because you like my work and you respect me as a filmmaker that's really important to me in fact I had a conversation on Facebook the other day where somebody challenged me about my crew my the, the diversity of my crew and the diversity of my work. And they said, we need to know who all the people are in your audience. And I, I thought the last thing I'm going to do is wheel out 
my team and say, oh, they're that, they're that, they're that, they're that, you know, that's, that's not how I work. And that's not how my team want to be seen either. I have a diverse team. Um, I also have a diverse team based on the fact that they're incredibly good at their jobs and the two come hand in hand. Now, that may not be the right answer in the current climate. I, I suspect some people will say that's the wrong answer. But what I want my team to know, always to know, is that I've chosen them because I love their work. My cameraman, for example, if we're talking about age diversity, I'm 50, 51. My cameraman, camera person, <laughs> there I am doing it all wrong again. Um, he's, he was tw he's 21, the guy that shot my, my most recent short film, Small Talk About Men's Mental Health. He's 21. He hasn't even graduated from film school yet. I didn't care. I put in his hands probably, arguably one of the best cameras on the market, uh, uh, um, I realized the Mini LF, which was one of the ca camera, I, I believe designed for, for use for uh, Roger Deakins for 1970. It's an absolutely top of the range, gorgeous camera. I, I handed that to, a, ostensibly, a 21-year-old with no formal qualifications. But this 21-year-old is incredibly talented. I enjoy working with him very much. I didn't look at his age. Um, that wasn't an issue to me. I just looked at his work. The same with my focus puller. I did not look at his ethnicity. I looked at his work. I didn't say, oh, we'll have you because of your ethnicity, because that would take a box for me. You're also very young, still at uni. Um, it, it's just about having common sense and treating people with respect on every level. Yes, I, I quite agree with that. And I, I certainly share your view that people people should get uh, positions because they're the, they're, they're the best person, irrespective of, of anything else. Actually, but I wasn't actually, I didn't actually mean any of that. <laughs> what, I, what, what, what I meant was, uh, if you look at France, for example, they really encourage they will insist on having French films ah, in okay. the cinema. Yes. And so what, ah. I was, what I was getting at is, <laughs> do, you th do you think that we should be having more British films mm. promoted, that there should be a quota system as they have in France, where I think in France they say 20%, at minimum 20% right. of any film that's shown in a cinema has to be French. Yes, I think and, that's great. And, and so that, that, that promotes the industry. That, that's what I was yes. talking about. Yes, well, I'm glad I've got, I'm down off my high horse now. <laughs> Stop grinding my axe. Um, yes, I think that's really great. And I think, you know, film festivals like Raindance um, and then things like the British Film Awards and things like that um, are, are definitely wanting to promote. I, I'm 100% all for that because also, and again, what's great about that is the definition of British film is very diverse. So it's not an exclusive thing. I mean, that, that would encompass all sorts of film. Um, but I do think it's very important, especially now, where the film industry and the creative arts are, have been you know, left to flounder in such, in such an awful way. Um, I think supporting our grassroots film industry is very, very important. And British filmmakers feel very passionately um, about that, I'm sure. I'm speaking for all British filmmakers here, but you know, I'm sure we do. We love, we love our, our job. We love our industry, and I think it would be yes. There's nothing. I think anything that can help to encourage, support, and recognise the talent that we have in British filmmaking now. There's so much talent, 
um, is, a, is a, a wonderful thing. Yes, absolutely. Because it seems to me, Vanessa, that there's a lot of independent film companies, um, pr- production companies. You, you mentioned that yourself. Mm-hmm. But there's very few outlets for the work of those companies. Yeah. Uh, is that a fair sense? If I go to the cinema tomorrow with my wife, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that every single film that, that will be offered to us will be American. Yes. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm still very new to this side of things, but, but one thing that's a real problem is funding. That Filmmakers are very good at very good problem solvers. That's, that's what filmmaking is. It's just solving one problem after the next. We're very good at that. The thing that, the thing, the one thing that is the hurdle for us is the funding. And again, there's so much gatekeeping around that funding that it's very difficult to get hold of it. And there are plenty of film production companies with amazing ideas, amazing scripts, amazing teams. So I think the funding is very difficult. There are funding bodies around, but again, they can be very, they have their own very specific types of things that they want to to fund. And so that can be difficult for other people who are making those sorts of things, again, to get their work out there. So I think it is a problem. Um, but crowdfunding does help to a degree, but there's a limit to, well, there's not a limit to how much you can crowdfund, um, but logistically and you know there may be so I, I yeah I think it's I think it's a problem yeah it's very hard so what advice would you give you 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 talked earlier about the young lad who's your cameraman and he hasn't finished his his degree yet but you know based on his talent Callum Curry based, give him a give him a shout out <laughs> give him a plug well, well done to him but but so what advice would you give a young person who's who's just finishing a film or a media production degree at university uh, and they they're just about to start on their career journey uh get onto a set so here's the thing i know this is going to sound wrong under undervalue yourself in that <laughs> in that do not don't walk onto a set thinking i've done this course so now i should be a dp what you want to do is get onto a really good film set and watch really good people creating really good stuff and learn from that get to know those people form relationships be really easy to work with have an amazing work ethic, over-deliver, and and people will remember you. It it's not you know the whole thing because I know you mentioned this to me. It's 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 about who you know, not what you know. And yes and no. In that this is this isn't about the thing of you know working for your dad's production company. This is the thing of have the business acumen. Okay, have the business acumen to think what I need to do is. Be in a room where I am the least qualified person, the least experienced person. Get in that room and meet those people because they're in that room for a reason and and you need to work out what that reason is. So be a runner. You know, there's nothing wrong with training to be a cinematographer and then running on a on a soap. Or it's so it's so important to learn how the hierarchy works, how the process works. I have learned so much because I, my team would agree with me absolutely 100%. I'm the least qualified person on any of, on any of my sets. <laughs> you know, from a technical point of view, I give my team a huge amount of autonomy creatively. 
my my DPs, um, my production designers. Um, I just kind of let them get on with it once we've set the vision. And I learned so much. My editor, oh my goodness, my editor, um, Chris Frith, I've learned so much from him because he's editing on things like Mission Impossible, King the Kingsman. He brings so much to um, the process that I learn from. So I think if you're coming out of film school, um, please forget that you that you think you know everything because the most important thing you will learn is on a film set. Honestly, that sounds wrong. The most important thing I learned as an actor was on a film set doing the acting. And that's where you need to have that learning brain so that you're, you're open to the fact that you don't know everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, final question, for, uh, Vanessa. Yes. So what, what, what are your plans for the future post-COVID? Well, I mean, anything and everything. I, I just love, I love a challenge. I love a story. I love telling stories. I just want to carry on telling stories, be that music videos, um, commercials. I am writing a feature film script, so I would love to be able to see that made. I'm very excited and scared about that. It's, a, it's a, again, it's that thing. This is what I would say to people is if you've got that idea in your head that won't let you sleep at night, you need to make that idea. You need to listen to that niggle. So this has been niggling at me for a while. So I'd like to make that. Um, but really, I'm always open to any creative challenges um, because I love being a little bit out of my depth and going into something that I feel I can't quite do. And then when you do it, it's an amazing <laughs> feeling. Um, so that's really what I'm up for, the next, the next challenge, whatever form that takes. Yeah, the next good story. Vanessa Bailey, the doors may not have been there originally, but you certainly created them and are knocking them down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for, 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 for being a guest on Right Side of the Brain. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was Vanessa Bailey. For more information on our work, please do visit our website at www.interactstrokesupport.org. And if you're feeling generous, please do click on the big red donate button. We very much look forward to your company on the next edition of Right Side of the Brain.